Welcome to Rough Drafts, how God writes his love in our stories, a podcast that explores the faith journeys of our friends and neighbors in Burns, Tennessee. Everyone has a story to tell. And in this podcast, we'll hear powerful and inspiring stories of how God works in the ordinary lives of people like you and me. Our stories are unfinished and perfectly imperfect. They're just rough drafts, a glimpse of what is to come because God is still at work, writing plot twists, introducing new characters, and bringing good even from the most challenging circumstances. Join us as we see what God is up to in our stories. Here's your host, Matthew Hyatt. I love being the dumbest guy in the room. It is the best and it happens a lot and today is absolutely no exception. Uh, People watching is so much fun because uh, you can see that there are some people that life happens to, and there are some people who live their lives on purpose. Uh, today's guest is one of those people who I can see she lives life on purpose. I love to watch her think and engage with her uh, other people. I love uh, her family. She has a beautiful daughter and um, a husband. Uh, he's all right. <laughs> we like him a lot too, soccer coach and teacher. She has pursued, pursued nursing as a vocation. She's got her head on her shoulders and is just one of the people that I'm super glad for you to get to know a little bit. Today, we get to hear a little bit of the story of Kristen Rhodes. So, Kristen, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. So, you were super excited to do this. I was so, so nervous <laughs> and, and excited, too. But And was... you tried to send me an email saying we weren't going to do this. Yep. And what happened? And uh, the Lord made it disappear, I think. <laughs> it's either that or I hacked your email and deleted it. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, I think good things will happen. So I, I I won't beat around the bush. What's what's your God story? Oh, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a lot of things that I could tell you, things that I have learned in life. Um, but I think where we need to start is um, knowing your identity in Christ, knowing who you are, because knowing who you are changes how you engage with the world, how you respond in different situations, whether they're easy situations or funny situations or very, very difficult situations. Having that foundation of knowing who you are the last person I talked to talked about a key moment in her life. She realized she was a whole human. That was her phrase. Oh. Realizing that you are a whole human set the stage for for so many other things. Mm-hmm. And I think about our kids. I'm already getting us off topic probably. But I think about how our kids, sometimes they just look like lost puppies because they're trying to figure out who they are, mm-hmm. who they want to be, where they fit in, where mm-hmm. they belong. And that is tough. Mm-hmm. So what did that process look like for you? Hmm. A lot of trial and error, a lot of mistakes. I'm really good at learning things the hard way. But on the flip side of that, once I learn it the hard way, I've learned it very well. Yeah. Um, And I know what you mean, you know, as far as our kids go and growing up, you know, there's different phases of life and stages of life where we stop looking at our, to our parents to define who we are and we start looking at our friend groups and more of a social type of situation and and really what we need more than anything is to look at who God says we are that needs to be the basis that needs to be the the very first place that we look because if we don't know 
what the Bible says about us, how God feels about us. I think we're missing a very pivotal part of our humanity, even. Um, Because I can tell you, for me, I, uh, I, after we did our Enneagram class, even before we did that Enneagram class, I knew growing up, I was very much a people pleaser. I'm a two. Um, So I definitely looked to other people for love and acceptance. And that is a really rocky place to put your self-worth. So there were a lot of years where I looked to other people, my husband especially, at the time, and different friends, you know, even family members. Uh, and and not that those are terrible places to look if those people are, are grounded in the Lord and are reflecting His truth in your life, then that's great. But if they're not, then you get off-roaded. But even get- if they are, like, if you're looking to them for your identity, mm-hmm. you're going to be... Um, missing something you're going to be you're right it's shaky at best it's secondhand yeah instead of going straight for the, to the source you're absolutely secondhand right. christianity that sounds like a really bad name for a contemporary christian mm-hmm. band, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know? um, that might be a good book <laughs> you want to start writing that let's one do it. all right let's go <laughs> uh, put that on the to-do list for, for next thursday all right so how did how did your journey help you learn this where did how did you get there how did i get there A lot of heartbreak, quite frankly, because when you look to other people um, for your love and acceptance, for that foundation of who am I, you know, um, you get a lot of different answers and they're they're not the right answer for one, but they just cause more. Um, let me see if I can give you a for instance. So for me, as a people pleaser, you know, I I would have specific relationships in my life that I was trying to get that ultimate love and acceptance out of. And it, it never happened. And of course, if, if we're honest here now, looking back on it, like that ultimate love and acceptance has to come from God first. It's that God-shaped hole that a lot of people talk about. We try to fill it with other things. And for me, that's what I was trying to fill it with. And of course, um, not only was it not satisfying, um, it was actually pretty detrimental because the person that I was looking to never accepted me uh, the way that I was for who I was, never loved me unconditionally, um, and quite frankly was always trying to change me and always had suggestions about how I could be something different or someone different. And um, that was really tough. It was really tough because it always felt like um, I just wasn't loved, Um, that this person always wanted me to be somebody else, anybody but who I was. You know, I think that's the thing Mr. Rogers got right. 
uh, you know, starting every show with I love you just the way you are. Oh, you know, that's that's an incredible idea of Christianity. And, you know, sometimes I think in church we we have made the mistake of these people in your life. Even Mm -hmm. God loves us just as I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, he he wants us to be the best. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be pure. Mm -hmm. But he loves us today not because of who we might be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so that makes his love free from manipulation and coercion and mm-hmm. all of those things that find their way into relationships sometimes. Mm-hmm. Even as you're describing this, I think uh, a lot of times we're real conscious of the danger of filling that God-shaped hole with bad stuff, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll uh, or whatever sure. you put in there. But I think even more dangerous is filling that hole with okay stuff. Uh, because then it's really easy to go your whole life and not realize just how how hollow it is, mm-hmm. how broken it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sorry. I've interrupted you. Mm-mm, that's Keep all right. Going. No, you're spot on, I think. How unfulfilled your life will be uh, when you, instead of filling that hole with God, you fill it with the okay things. Yeah. The socially acceptable things. Cult- culturally acceptable things. No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, but so, yes, there was a lot of heartbreak, a lot of heartache. Um, and it took walking through a really dark season of my life to get desperate enough, I guess, is really the best way to say it, to get desperate enough to really dive into the Bible and what the Bible says about God, who he really is, instead of who I was always told or or modeled uh, by other believers, you know. And I think to some degree, whether the we whether we mean to or not, like our parents become a type of model for God, you know, we have an earthly father. It's very easy, easy to translate that into, well, this is probably what my heavenly father's like, you yeah. know, which is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> not for all the dads out there. There's some great dads. But even the best dad in the world's nowhere close to that one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm not, this is not a knock on my dad in any way, shape, or form right now. It's just a, an observation, yeah. a general observation. Um, but yeah, it, there's something about desperate times that make you, you look around, you you question, you ask. And, and I will say I'm really it was really difficult going through that dark season, but I'm so thankful for it now because because it did cause me to question. And if there's any important lesson I, I did learn during that time is God's okay with the questions. Um, are you there? Do you care? Are you really good? Because this doesn't feel like something a good God would allow to happen. Um, you know, it, it, in the moment, it's taken a, a long time and some counseling, which I highly recommend, um, to to see clearly some of the some of the lies that I believed about not just necessarily about myself, but about certain things in general, like uh, feelings, emotions. It's okay to feel your feelings. And I used to uh, I used to think that there were good emotions and bad emotions. Yeah, that there were some emotions that were not welcome at the table because, like 
anger and sadness. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to see those. Put them away. Like nothing good comes of those things. Right. But the fact of the matter is, God created those emotions, and He created them for a reason. That's why He wrote the movie Inside Out. <laughs> you know, I like that movie a lot. It's it's almost an entire apologetic for sadness. You know, sadness has worth. You're absolutely right. There's a place for sadness. Mm -hmm. I think that movie is just maybe one of the best, quote, kids movies ever made. Mm -hmm. But for now, until they until they made the, the best friend, childhood imaginary friend disappear. Bing which, bong. Bing bong. You're running. I know. I, it was so sad. I mean, one of the I don't like Pixar movies. You know, you're minding your own business. You're watching a kid's movie. Then boom, they get you right there in the fields. You you, they take your imaginary friend away. It's like up. You start watching up, and there's this nice little old couple, and three minutes into the movie, you've the got wife. loss of a child, loss of a wife. I just wanted to watch some stupid balloons tied to a house. Come mm -hmm. on, Pixar. Yeah. So you learned you learned the value of feelings and that they're not uh, not bad. They're not mm -hmm. good. They just are. Mm -hmm. um, that's a big lesson. That's a big lesson. One of the funniest ways I actually heard this described was it, about the importance of feelings. <clears throat> feelings are like toddlers. Okay. Okay. You you can't lock them in the trunk, but you can't let them drive the car either. Oh, there's a, they're important and there's a place for them, but they can't control, they can't run the show, and you can't just lock them away and pretend like they don't exist. I've never you know? heard that. That's perfect. So good. Feelings are like toddlers. I knew you would like that. You can't lock them in the trunk, but you can't let them drive the car. Mm -hmm. So where do they get to sit? Oh, somewhere safely buckled in. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, buckled in. I mean, no, and, you know, when I say that, though, it, it's really easy for me to reach back into that old way of thinking and say, yes, yeah, strap them down so they can't do anything. Oh, yeah. But that's not it either, because they can still reach the radio, and they can still roll up and down the windows, mm -hmm. and they can still poke the brother in the arm. Mm -hmm. They can do all those things. Yeah. Um, they're not bound and gagged in the back seat. Right. You know. No, there's there's a healthy place for emotions. And hugely, I will say, as my daughter has grown up, you know, when kids are little, their emotions just seem so much bigger than they are. Like, yeah. they they are their emotion, whatever it is at the time. And so one of the biggest things that I've had to teach my little girl is it's okay to feel your feelings, but it's not okay to take them out on other people. It's not okay to treat people poorly. It's okay for you to be frustrated. It's okay for you to feel angry. Yeah. But but don't be mean to me yeah. because you're hangry or, yeah. you know. I, I I hate to put it this way, but you, you do have to keep the crazy in a box. <laughs> you know, like there, there yeah. are boundaries. Yeah, there's, um, there's self-control there. Well, you come teach the anger management class in the jail for me because you've already done a better job in the last three minutes than I've done the last three years. Because <laughs> this is this is good. Uh, we yeah. go back to kindergarten. Yeah, that's really the place I would start. Hey, guys, it's this simple. One of the things we do is I, um, I ask them how many emotions they can name is a group. Oh. And generally speaking, we don't ever make it past about seven or eight. That's uh, about the key ones. We kind of get sure. mad, sad, glad, scared. Um, then usually they pick one and give you three or four mm -hmm. closely related. So, mm -hmm. you know, if it's mad, they'll give you annoyed, frustrated, and then some other words I can't say on the radio. Mm -hmm. um, but then I put up this wheel of emotions, and I'm sure you've seen this graphic somewhere before where, mm -hmm. you know, here are 16 emotions that are inside of contented. Here are 16 that are inside of excited. Here, um, and 
every single time they ask for copies of that. Oh. And their exercise that they have that week is identify the emotions you feel every day for a week. See how many you can. Wow. Know. And it's a strange little exercise because you just it's don't realize. A, it's it. a good exercise. Yeah. Um, and the word that I would tell you I learned in counseling for that is emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I've it, <laughs> tried to work with my daughter on when she was small, you know, and there was a lot going on for her. And just being able to name how you feel, ha- having a word to, to call that was really helpful for her. Um, and, yeah, they have, like, these parent teaching or homeschool stores or something like that. And I guess regular teachers can come by resources from there, too. But I remember finding this big poster board that had, it probably only had seven or eight emotions, yeah. like like your guys were, set, were naming um, and it also had a face. It had a, a kid making a face on this side and the name of the emotion on this side. Um, and so it really, those are building blocks. Those are tools, like just being able to say, I really feel this way. And if I, if I take a, a beat, maybe take a walk, you'd be surprised how good exercise is for your emotions. Um, and calm down. That's usually the big thing. Just get calm, get your mind clear, and maybe I'll feel some kind of other way about it. Yeah. It's amazing to me what a little run in the woods does. I mean, Mm. the problem is still there when you get back. Um, I haven't ever been able to take a run long enough that the, you know, that person died while I was in the woods, but uh, (laughs) your capacity to deal with it is entirely different. People think that I run because I want to not be as fat or I want to be it's really not that it is it is a form of counseling for me it doesn't replace traditional talk therapy Mm -hmm. Uh, you do that too Mm -hmm. so it's funny we've talked about a couple of things feelings which we're not great at in general and then we talked about kind of integrating that with faith which we're not great at in general Mm -hmm. you just said uh, that you learn to do these things because of tough times. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to zoom in just a smidge here. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone who encounters tough times learns these. Uh, a lot of people who encounter tough times uh, build higher walls, thicker shells, more defenses. Mm. So can I ask um, how how you learned these? Was there someone who helped you? Was there a book you read? Did did God nudge you? What's what's the story here? <clears throat> I'm thinking, I'm rewinding in my mind. Um, or did you ever watch Sherlock Holmes? Yeah. The yeah. BBC version? Yes. Remember I would say, let me go into my mind palace. Yes. That's where I'm going to have to go right okay. now. So give me just a second. Uh, so I'm going to repeat myself a little bit, I think. Um Learning how to do it the wrong way first. Yeah. Um, learning the hard way. <laughs> uh, trying it one way and the result not working. And so trying something different. And for me, a faith has always been a huge part of my life. Um, I'm not saying by any means that uh, I am this perfect human who's never done anything horrible. That is not what I'm saying at all. Um, 
But even when I was making poor decisions, even during dark times in my life, God was always there with me and walking with me um, through those things. And, um, you know, the, the great thing about the Bible is all the promises in it. And one of those is, if you need wisdom, all you got to do is ask for it. And so there have been plenty of times, and especially <laughs> here in my 30s, I, I pray for wisdom a lot. And God, who is impartial, will give it freely, you know. And sometimes that wisdom comes through experience, difficult experience. In fact, I would say probably the most wisdom I've gained is because of those difficult experiences. Um, I feel like I'm getting off track here. What, what? No, I was asking kind of what, what led you to learn these lessons as opposed to not learning them. Mm-hmm. Um, are there people in your life that sometimes it's good examples, sometimes it's bad examples? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, you, there, I, I could go both ways with that. There are people who love the Lord so deeply, who their faith and their walk has been such an inspiration to me. And then there are other folks who I will look at and go, well, I'm not going to do it that way. <laughs> yeah. So. But if nothing it, else, let my life be a cautionary tale. Yeah. You know. Um. But yeah, I think choosing to include God in my life, in my decisions, changes the outcome. Because he can take the worst thing that I've ever done, or even the worst thing that's ever been done to me. He can take it and and make it better than anything that I... I, if I thought if I was heading down one road and I thought this is going to be how it how it is, this is how I envision the end of my life, it will look like this, and then it gets derailed. Well, God can take what was derailed and make it better than any plan that I had before. He can take Plan B and make it better than Plan A ever was. Yeah. So. And I'm so bad about hanging on to my Plan A mm-hmm. because it's the plan. Mm-hmm. This is what I see. And that when we get to plan B, I get anxious and cranky and faithless. Mm-hmm. And it seems like usually God prefers plan J or K or Q or S or something just mm-hmm. because that plan, it he proves that it's of him mm-hmm. rather than, it's like he has to beat me with plan Z to prove to me that it wasn't ever me. Yeah. You know. Well, let's zoom forward a little bit in your story. Okay. Um, you know, sometimes past, your 20s were tough. Um and I don't think people ever realize, I think I entered the 20s thinking they're going to be super fun. And, and there's a lot of fun to be had for sure. Yeah. But I don't think I was prepared for how difficult a lot of those transitions would be, you know, mm-hmm. uh, family, work, house, life, responsibility, dog, you know, yeah. all of those things kind of come and your friendships are different than they were. And mm-hmm. that whole time is tough. But you met a guy at Camp Weatherwood one time. <laughs> I think I know him. Uh, Taylor Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah. What's that story? It, it's a sweet story. Um, it's it's funnier when he tells it though because he uh, 
he'll describe it as love at first sight. Um, and he's younger than me, so I didn't pay him a whole lot of attention. Uh, but he was a nice guy. And we did end up dating when we were in junior high, high school-ish. Um, but, of course, you know, that did, it didn't... We were young and dumb. Junior high. Yeah. Went our separate ways, and his family moved to Texas uh, before he even graduated high school. And, of course, I stayed here and did did my thing and lived my life and um, got married and had a kid and got divorced and was uh, trying to navigate the dating pool in my early 30s, which I'm pretty sure most people will tell you is not fun. Um, and, you know, as a Christian, there are a lot of things that our culture and the world say are acceptable that, you know, if you're a faith-filled, spirit-filled person, that's that's not the way you can walk. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't any swiping left or swiping right. Um, I, and once again, I had to meander through some darkness to step into the light. And when I finally did, it was a, a decision to, you know, God, I'm, I'm just not going to date anymore. And I'm handing this to you. And if it's your will for me to have someone in my life, in mine and Quinn's life, um, then please bring that person. And I'm just going to wait on you. Yeah. And a year later, <clears throat> um, Taylor, I think I actually texted him. And just said, hey, how are you? And it was the conversation that never ended. <laughs> uh, yeah. What a good description of that. The mm-hmm. conversation that never ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and what a story you guys have together. You mm-hmm. know, a beautiful, beautiful place, beautiful job, beautiful family. Mm-hmm. You guys just do some some incredible things together. Mm-hmm. I know we've hit probably a few different ways you could answer this question, uh, but there may be some others we've missed. Uh, how would you describe your faith as having changed in the last decade? Yeah, that's deepened. It's matured. You know, the Bible talks about Christians, kind of it compares us to oak, oak trees, yeah. you know. Um, and I feel like I've gotten to instead of just being <laughs> i don't know a weed that pops up and 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 dies as soon as the weather gets rough like i've weathered some storms you know um and i will say a huge part of that is just figuring out too the importance of getting into the word somewhere in there it says that it, the measure the measure of thought and study, and I'm kind of, I'm paraphrasing here, that you give to the word that you hear, it'll come back to you. Yeah. Like, that's the measure you'll get back out of it. And boy, is that true. Um, and so when I have, even now, you know, when there are difficult times, and, and this is the way it's going to be for the rest of my life, I can tell you, because it's, it works. Yeah. Um, when there are difficult times, situations I see what God says in his word 
I pray about it. I ask him, Lord, what do you think about this? And, uh, and he shows me. And if it's not, you know, somebody that's gone through it in the Bible, if there's not, you know, promises that are very specifically laid out, like, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. You have hope. You have a future. Um, see this new thing that I'm going to do. I'm going to make a way in the desert. Like, you're going to see it flourish. Like, it feels really dry. It feels really dead. But, hey, you know what? Those dry bones, prophesy to those dry bones, come alive. Like... Life. He's all about life. Abundant life. Abundant life. A life you can enjoy. Even if there's difficult things going on, you can still enjoy your life in the middle of it. Um, and that has been my experience for sure. There's peace, like that peace that passes all understanding. Like the closer you get to him, the more you experience that. You just described a, a mature joy. I don't know that I've ever put those two words together hmm. or a deep joy, but I like that concept a lot. That this is this is not superficial. It's like an oak. It's like a tree planted by rivers of water. Mm-hmm. I shall not be moved, right? Hmm. You know, the joy of the Lord is my strength is is what scripture says. And and I see that in, in what you're describing. Um it breaks my heart though to see how many people I think sometimes miss this. Mm-hmm. Um they they see a burden from God and not the blessing from God. Mm-hmm. Or they see his word as uh, the rule book, the guidebook, rather than the mm-hmm. the treasure map. And mm-hmm. I don't know if those are the right metaphors or not. but reach the treasure. It, it, you're right. There's You can find him in it. Yeah. There's the treasure, yeah. Who has helped you in your journey along the, over the years? How many how many different people can I we we would take up the rest of the time here? Podcasts um, are free, so okay, charge by the minute. Um, That's my other job. The first person that actually pops up in my mind is my friend Meg, uh, who has always been such a a Jesus lover. Like just even the way she says Jesus, like the way she says his name, you can just tell she she loves the Lord so much, and she's such a prayer like. I don't think I've ever been around anyone who will just, when you say, oh, you know, either you, whether you ask for prayer or whether you are talking about something that you're going through, that you're having a tough time. She is one of those people who will say, all right, let's pray right now. And she'll grab your hand and immediately take it to the Lord and put it at his feet and just pray blessing over you, which is, man, what a great example. Mm -hmm. So that that would be the first person I'd probably name. Um, and I will say it's been nice to have a family of believers, both literally and figuratively, around me as I have grown up, as I've walked through hard times. And I don't mean to say that any of them are, are perfect human beings. Um, but it's nice to know I can reach out to these people. Like even today, I have some friends. I have several people, family and friends, that I've reached out to. And Meg was one of them, actually. Um, I texted him and said, "Hey, pray for me. Pray for me." There's no telling what Matthew's going to ask me on po- on this podcast. No, uh, what a jerk. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, Carl breakdown. Yeah. Right 
But yeah. Um, everybody needs a Meg in their lives. Everybody needs a Meg, that's for sure. And the power of one Meg, um, mm. it just, it matters so much. Mm-hmm. And again, to go back to the feelings conversation, we, I think, are trained by culture that we keep our problems to ourselves. We don't want to be a burden to anyone. We don't want them to see us cry. We mm-hmm. don't want to be perceived as weak or needy mm-hmm. or a moocher or any of those negative things. And what happens is we do that and it keeps the Megs from being able to help us. It keeps us from becoming the Megs. It it just truly cripples us. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so glad for the the people and the moments in your story where God has He's pointed you to a different way, and I'm mm-hmm. grateful for the way you've pointed us to a different way. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you'd like to share? You came in with some notes today, I saw. So is there oh. is there anything in your, your mind that you think, man, I'd, I'd like to share today? Man, we talked about most of this when we didn't even, I didn't even have to look at these notes. Um, I don't know how much longer you want to go. We could. I mean, golly. You want to do. I I, kind of had wanted to touch on um, judgment. Okay. Um, Of all the words I thought that sentence would end with, judgment was not on the list. Judgment. So bring it on. I've got a gavel right here. Great. Where is it? Right there on the window. Oh, yeah, I did. I saw that. Okay. Great. Is it useful for knocking people out, too? If I'm trying to get my Wednesday morning class to start. We've never started that class on time in history. Oh, that's funny. Uh, I joked one uh, one Wednesday that I needed a gavel, uh, and somebody made for me. order in the court. Yeah, she uh, came back later and made me the little thing that you hit the gavel on, mm-hmm. and then someone else came back and gave me a holster for my gavel. Oh, that's really that's funny. Tool belt holder you see right there oh. is so people people are fun. You see the inscription on the side of it. I can't. It was Joe Markins who made that for me. What does it say? Uh, I can't read it from here. Matthew Hyatt, Burns Church of Christ, Joe right there's something. Like oh, okay. Just super sweet. So, nice. so tell me about judgment. What are you thinking? Judgment, um, in the sense of judging other people. Mm. Um, I will say, man, it, it does not feel good to be judged. No, it doesn't. Uh, and I will also tell you that there, I, I spent a lot of time in my life judging other people, which sounds like a really strange dichotomy, like being a people pleaser and wanting them to love and accept you, but also judging them at the same time. Oh, it makes sense because judging is the sister to evaluating, you know, and you can't please a person unless you've evaluated what they want, who they are. Sure. So there's some, Okay. Yeah. I think there's a connection there. Um, I think some difficult times that I've had and people pleasing is when I feel judged by other people. Um, I know, you know, we talked about that relationship that I had tried to get all this love and acceptance from and got none. There was a lot of judgment in that relationship. Um, but it, I will say, and this is for believers and non-believers alike. You don't have to be a believer uh, to be judgy and judgmental of other people. Um, but I will say, sadly, I think it's something that goes on in the church quite a bit. I feel like they use the Bible as a measuring stick and even a hammer instead of um, 
a treasure map, like yeah. we were saying before. And I, yeah, the, the verse that kind of plays on repeat in my mind when I think about the people that I love who aren't saved is that it's his kindness that draws us to repentance. And there's no kindness in judgment. I've never felt like someone was being kind to me when they were judging me. Now, there are people who've had to have tough conversations with me and say, Kristen, what you're doing is not good. It's not healthy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who make you feel bad about yourself for whatever reason. Let's, Let's just be direct. I mean, as a person who's experienced a divorce... There is uh, kind of this perception that you get a scarlet letter when you come back to church. Yeah, there's a stigma. You're you're absolutely right. Um, I have not felt that way here at Burns. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> um, and you know what? What's so hard about this conversation is I'm with you 100. percent You talked about the difference between somebody who has a hard conversation with you. Um someone that you love and that loves you that has that conversation in the right way. Mm -hmm. A whole lot of the damage that gets done are people who think they are doing that, Mm -hmm. but aren't. Yeah. And they don't know that they are just being judgmental. Mm -hmm. And then what makes that even tougher is if you're aware of this, that makes it harder for you to ever have a hard conversation because you don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And then by the time this is done, the only people who ever say anything hard are the jerks. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't think anyone has ever been judged into the kingdom of God. Mm. Oh. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. <laughs> but somehow we, we can't resist doing it sometimes. Yeah. That may even go back to the first thing you said about our identity. We think that if we don't, if we don't stand up and make the statement, we have lost something of who we are. Or, you know, we're not who we're supposed to. I can't sleep at night if I don't tell you you're wrong and bad. Uh, yeah. You know, we we don't understand what our job is and what God's job is. Yeah, uh, you need to hear the truth. But the, like I said, the truth is not a, a hammer to hit people with. If I had the powers of God. Everyone pause and shudder for a moment because (laughs) I would really like just a scoreboard up in the sky Uh for um, like the Turner burn uh, billboards like Mm -hmm. on I-65 when you go down to Alabama. Mm -hmm. And I'd just like to know how many people they've helped and how many people they've hurt. Yeah. Because I have a pretty high suspicion that it's really skewed one way. Yep. You know, well, that's really benign. If if you had those powers and that's all you wanted to do with it, that's, that's the only thing. Pretty benign. Going yeah. on record, <laughs> there are going to be some public executions and, uh, and double stuffed Oreos will be the only kind of Oreos. There's a lot of things that are going to happen in, in the world according to Matthew. But that's just I wish people I wish people could see it. Mm. And and even you know we just we want people to think about God, but when your church has a what you think is a cutesy sign on it that says eternity mm-hmm. smoking section or non. Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to read that in any other way, but you're kind of giggling about hell. Mm-hmm. That's jacked up. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever read or watch The Shack? Yeah. Um, you've reminded me of it like four times in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, first when you, not four, but first when you talked about 
uh, our dads and how they skew our perception of God. And in that book, uh, God, Papa, mm-hmm. was portrayed as a as a black woman. Mm-hmm. It made that really burn some people up. Oh yeah, but God's not a white man. Gets you outside of your box, doesn't man, it? That was so helpful just to kind of Oof. break your thinking about it. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. It made me appreciate God more. Yeah. Um, and I loved Jesus as the Arab carpenter, and mm-hmm. the Spirit as this this gardener. What a perfect image for mm-hmm. the Spirit, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you reminded me of the shack there, but. When you talked about judgment now a couple of times, he reminded me of that judgment scene in the cave. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't read or watched the book, well, I'd say spoiler alert, but you've had like 20 years, so shame mm-hmm. on you. you know, mm-hmm. I'm judging you for this. Um, there's this scene, uh, Mac's daughter is killed by a serial killer, and he is going into the woods. He doesn't know it to confront God, confront the killer. He doesn't know what's happening. But in this scene, he goes into a cave, and God shows him his children and says, which of your children would you would you be willing to condemn yeah and mac responds like any parent would no neither one yeah take me instead and god says how do you think i feel and that moment to me is just Mm mind-bending because that is exactly what god said it did in scripture Mm -hmm. father forgive them they don't know what they're doing take me instead Mm -hmm. and like man I'm, i'm there with mac I'm like, I want this serial killer to die. I want him to rot. I want him yes. fry him. I mean, yeah. he hurt this little girl. And that book was hard enough for me to read before I had kids. But after I read kids, it's I, just. I can't read it now. Yeah. You, know? you have a daughter. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. But I read it in the past and watched the show. And yeah. But even that person who rightly deserves rage. Mm-hmm. I mean, the killer, you are just in being outraged at. Mm-hmm. Um that scene in the book sort of melts away my ability to judge. Mm-hmm. Granted, if you drive slow in the fast lane, I find that ability real quick again. But yeah. why do we judge so much, Kristen? What? Where does oh, it come man. from? Some of it's a matter of what's right and what's wrong. And some of that is very biblically based. And some of it's cultural, I think, a lot of times. Um but it's easy for me to judge and condemn you, like in the book, when, when this atrocious thing happened. Something that should never happen to a child. Oh, my gosh. Um, but it's uh, gosh. when you start looking at that treasure map once again and actually digging, you know, how God talks about forgiveness drop it, leave it, let it go. Like it, it won't do you, it'll only do you harm to, to hold this offense. Like, I think I might be getting off track here. No, I'm you're your spot on. Okay. Because forgiveness is, is not so much of you absolving this other person um, of everything they've done, which was horrible, but it's about freedom for you um, because unforgiveness really you know, there's a lot of hatred and bitterness that come along with that. So if you're going to be successful in this life and have joy in this life, I think learning how to forgive is essential. And learning how to forgive quickly. Um, yeah. That one's easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then, you know, asking God to bless your enemies. 
<laughs> oh, man. Hit me where it hurts, but then go ahead and just twist that knife a little bit more. Like, uh, But I heard somebody say one time, actually, it was a, a lady um, preacher, Joyce Meyer was her name, um, who said that, uh, oh, what did she say? We were talking about forgiveness. The quote just left me, actually. Yeah, don't you love it when that happens? Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, maybe it'll come back to me later, and that's okay. Well, I like what you said. Forgiveness is not about the other person. It's about my peace. Mm -hmm. You know, they may still stand guilty, but that doesn't mean that I have to be the prosecutor. And once I can step out of that role... Yeah. And say that God's going to handle the dispensation of justice. Yeah. And he doesn't need my advice about how to do that. Right. Um, But again, easier said than done. Right. And if only we could learn to get there quicker instead of it taking a decade like it usually takes me. Yeah. Oh, here's here's that quote that I was trying to think of for praying for your enemies. She said, you know, more often than not, one of the when you pray blessing on on somebody who has done wrong a lot of times, it's not so much, oh, Lord, give them a big house and a new car. It's show them your truth because how much more blessed can you be than being close to God? Show them your peace. Mm-hmm. Give them repentance. Mm-hmm. You know, even even that, that offender, we talked about the God-sized hole in our heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's showing through their actions. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of hate that saying, hurt people, hurt people. But it's true. But, oh, it's so true. Mm-hmm. It's so true. So God, take away the hurt. Yeah. If not for their sake, but for mine. Yeah. Uh, and for my kids. And I'll say, you know, the person who has probably hurt me most in my life is somebody who really would try to manipulate um, manipulate me, manip- manipulate the word. It's amazing how you can take the Bible or and in truth, any text, and twist it to make it say what you want, just to get people to do what you want them to do. And a lot of times, and this takes this has taken me years to wrap my mind around this. It's just, it's because people who do that are terrified of being hurt themselves. Uh, do you read any Brene Brown? I love Brene Brown. I just I saw a quote yesterday that I had not uh, I had not seen before. It was about narcissism. Cool. Um, she said, you know, people who are narcissists. I'm going to get this wrong. Narcissists. It's not about them. It's about their fear of shame. Their fear of the shame of being known as ordinary. Mm-hmm. That was the line. Narcissism is the fear of the shame of being ordinary. Uh, and what I've enjoyed so much about reading her stuff is recognizing how much of our behavior has been um, driven by fear and shame uh-huh. and by how powerful vulnerability is. Yeah. And we're scared of it mm-hmm. um, because we think someone's going to misuse it. Yeah. But that's almost always the lie we tell ourselves yeah. because once I tell on myself, you can't use it against me anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, once I confess, what are you going to do? Tell people? Well, I already told it myself. Yeah. I'm a creep. I'm a jerk. Hello. Mm-hmm. You know, well, Matthew's a creep. He's a jerk. I know. He told me. You know, it's it's just it's just part of it. And 
one of the reasons I'm so excited about this podcast and what we've been doing is it's been an opportunity for all of us just to be a little bit more vulnerable and transparent. I'm sure. You know, I say forever on Facebook and social media, um, I wish we didn't just post the good moments. I wish we'd be mm-hmm. a little more transparent. Yeah. But at the same time, most of our bad moments involve other people and I can't tell their stories. Right. So I'm not going to put a picture on social media of uh, my kids throwing a temper tantrum mm-hmm. and me wanting to shake them, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but like you need to know that that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's days that Leslie is actively considering whether or not it could be traced if she brings home the chemicals to dissolve. Uh-huh. You know? uh, <laughs> but us having these conversations goes such a long way. Uh, and I really appreciate your time and your willingness to do it sure. uh, and the skill and the grace with which you shared your story. Because uh, when you have pain, it's really easy to not tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really easy to tell the story and weaponize it against others. And you, oh, gosh. you have resisted so all of those temptations. You know. <laughs> so thank you so much. Uh, friends, uh, thank you for, for joining us today. Thank you for listening. And I hope that you'll come back and I hope you'll share this with a friend. And Meg, if you're listening, we really appreciate you too. Love you, Meg. Until next time, I can't wait to hear how God is writing in your story. Thanks for listening to Rough Drafts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. Until next time, let's keep looking for how God writes his love into our stories.